The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, today we are loaded, and you don't want to miss a second of today's program. We have with us Greg Velliere, and he is going to he is the U.S. strategist or policy strategist for AGS, AGF Investments. And I'm struggling to my tongue. I got to go. Can I get it fixed before we start the pro? Let's go back and start over again and see if I can get it fixed. You know, one of these things, it just happens sometimes. But we're going to talk about Congress and Biden, and we're going to talk about taxes and debt ceilings. And Mr. Valier, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be with you again, Jim. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. And by the way, if I if I may just let you take the mic and let me go get this tongue fixed in case I continue to get tongue tied. You know, radio. I'm not good with television. You you just don't take much to figure that out. But radio, you have to have a tongue that's willing to work, and sometimes it doesn't work that way. It happens to me sometimes too. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I've got a couple of questions. I mean, this thing just just thinking about this new. Omicron, I mean, last week the market, you know, downturn dropped tremendously on Friday. We finally decided maybe the Omicron is not a problem. I want to just ask you the question, just lead off with that. I want to get back into some of this debt ceiling and inflation. A lot of people got questions about inflation. But what's your take on Omicron and Biden and even the mention of travel restrictions? What's your thoughts? Well, I don't see restrictions. I don't see lockdowns. I think we're going to we've learned to live with this. It still is something you have to fear, but I think we've lived with it uh, pretty well. And I think uh, Jerome Powell and the Fed, most importantly, perhaps, have learned to live with it. Uh, They have to speed up their uh, process of getting to uh, somewhat higher interest rates. And uh, I think that the fear of inflation is still uh, greater at the Fed than some kind of new uh, variant of COVID. Uh, that's a great point. Now, what's your take on Mr. Powell being nominated for the second term? Do you, you feel that's good, bad? What's your thoughts? I, I think he's done a pretty good job. I think he was too complacent and uh, maybe sanguine on the whole issue of inflation back in the spring and summer. I think it took him a while to to uh, get into it. But I, I think that when he met with uh, Joe Biden, Two points came out. Number one, Joe Biden is in trouble. The Democrats are in trouble for next fall's elections. And I think Biden said to uh, Powell, do something about inflation. I want to see you get hawkish, which he's done. Secondly, the most important member of Congress, perhaps, is Joe Manchin of West Virginia. And Manchin's made it clear that his constituents are worried about inflation, higher food and gas, gasoline prices. So so I think that's another reason why you've heard Powell be more hawkish. They got to keep Joe Manchin happy. If Joe Manchin's happy, maybe Biden gets some of his, the rest of his agenda enacted. Wow, that's a great point. So I I was reading about this the the Build Back Better 
that's in the Senate now and the whole idea. I read that somewhere in there it said that this was going to be about a $1.75 trillion. But as you dig into it a little bit, the actually, if you spend the time with it, Bill Back Better is actually saying, if you put it together, about $2.4 trillion. So we've gone crazy with this amount of money. From your standpoint, where are we going with this? I mean, it's like amazing over 10 years spending that kind of money. Well, you're right, Jim. I, I think right now the number many people are using is uh, $2 trillion, But I, I think the final price tag is going to be much more. There have been a, a lot of uh, bipartisan, independent studies showing that it will be much more. And, you know, we can't keep having every year a deficit of $2 trillion or more. I mean, that's real money. And you do that for another few years in a country where people are getting older. And we have demands on Social Security and Medicare. How are we going to pay for all this stuff? Uh, right now, interest rates are low, so we can do it. But I don't think interest rates are going to stay this low for year after year. You know, that's, uh, that's the question that I think hangs over everybody's head is when is when are we going to have to do something with the debt ceiling, I mean, this whole idea of the debt ceiling, the amount of debt, the interest rates being low now, obviously, you know, you, we can afford it, but we're leaving it with a generation. And I guess, Greg, I'm thinking the next generation, we talk about the millennials, we talk about the extras, but, you know, my grandkids are going to be facing this. And is this, is this something that would wake you up at night or do you feel like, well, we've been here before, we can go on, this would be okay? Well, I, I think for right now, we can still get through this. We can finance the debt because the Fed has kept interest rates so low. But again, you can't do that forever. You can't continue to have deficits of $2 trillion or more every year because uh, you've got to service the debt. And I think that's something that has to be addressed. When you talk about this, I do when I see people on Capitol Hill, I mean, their reaction is, hey, we're not that worried right now because rates are so low. And they also say, what would you suggest we do? You want to cut defense? Well, no, nobody wants to do that. Do you want to cut Social Security benefits? No, nobody wants that. Uh, what about raising taxes? Well, no, nobody wants to raise taxes. And on and on and on. So it, nobody can come up with a great prescription. I mean, the easy answer is to cut spending. And I think that would make a difference. But right now, the mood in both parties is to spend more. You know, and I think I was taught that in, I believe it was high school, that if you overspend, some point in time, you're going to have to pay back what you've overspent. I guess we yep. just, we're just we trying to live with that, and, and I understand what you're saying. Does that concern you, though? And I guess I want to say to everybody, if you just tuned in, this is Greg Valliere. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGFS Investments. He's been on the program before. We like what he talks about. We like what he knows and gives us some great in, insight into some things. And I guess, Greg, what I'm saying is I hear the debt ceiling thoughts. I hear that nobody really wants to deal with it today. But now people talk about inflation, and you kind of mentioned inflation. Is inflation yep. going to get out of hand? For those of us that remember it back in the 70s and the 80s, early 80s, is, are we headed well, in that same direction? There are two problems, Jim. Number one is just things, oil, lumber, stuff like that, which can go up or down. And oil has come down over the last week or two. Other things can go up or down. That doesn't worry me as much. That's a supply-demand story. That doesn't worry me as much as wage inflation. Everywhere you look, you can't find, you know, my sister has, owns a restaurant. She can't find cooks 
waiters, waitresses, busboys, busgirls. She can't find anybody. So what she's doing is paying people a lot more. In fact, some employers are offering a sign-up bonus to get workers back. Well, you do that, and uh, owners of restaurants and stores then have to pass along these higher costs to their customers. So if you go out to eat, all of a sudden it's going to be an, a 5 10% more than it was a year ago. That worries me, because once the wages go up, they're not going back down. Mm. And I do think that wage inflation, with a very, very tight labor market, we're going to get a great unemployment report on Friday. So the, the wage inflation, the tight labor market, that's a problem. And that's not going to end quickly. I was reading something about from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They were talking about that over the last since nine since September the thirtieth of twenty twenty to September the thirtieth of twenty twenty one, that we've actually in jobs U.S. job openings has increased from six point six million excuse me six point six million, and then it's increased an additional three point eight million. So we're up to you know that's basically. You know, adding ten thousand jobs a day, and we're mm-hmm. just—it's, uh, and that's—we got the jobs. People want to work. We got the jobs. Absolutely, and, and I think that again, we'll if maybe I'll be wrong, but I think I'm right. I think Friday, the unemployment number is going to be real strong. We're getting down to a four percent unemployment rate. Uh, the U.S. economy is actually in very good shape. Uh, GDP for this quarter, the fourth quarter, will probably come in at 5 maybe even 6%. I think the economy will get off to a good start uh, next year. But at some point as we go into summer, the Federal Reserve is going to have to put its foot on the brake. Mm. They can't let the economy and inflation stay this hot. So I do think the Fed will have to begin hiking rates. That changes the entire dynamic for the stock market. Uh, the stock market is loved to see low rates but rates are now going to start heading a bit higher. All right. When we come back, here's the question I want to come back with. It'll be the last question I have time to ask you, but it's an important question. For a lot of people, Manchin, you talked about him. Boy, is he powerful. Will the GOP capture the House next year? That's the question. When we come back, if you just tuned in, my guest, Greg Valliere, he is with the U.S. Policy, he's the U.S. Chief U.S. Policy Strategist at AGF Investments. He's going to talk about what do we look like politically in 2022. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest is Greg Valliere. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist from AGF Investments. Does a great job for us. He's talked about inflation the debt ceiling, literally, this is the question I think it's a lot of people are interested in because it uh, is a game changer for a lot of things going on politically. And the question, will the GOP capture the House next year? That's on everybody's mind, Greg. Well, I, I talk to people on Capitol Hill, and what they're telling me is it's not a question of whether the GOP will take the House. It's by how many seats. And I think they could take the House by... 20, 25, 30 seats. They only need four. So there's a high likelihood the House goes to the Republicans. The Senate is a tougher call 
but I think the Senate could go to the Republicans as well, which means, Jim, for the last two years of this term, for Biden's term, he's not going to be able to get anything through. He, he has a veto, but he's not going to get any of his agenda through in those ne- final two years. You know, and I, sometimes we look at that, that's what makes this country great, is the fact we have a check and a balance. But yep. I just would like for us to get things done that it would absolutely empower us, the people, you know, we the people. But that's not always uh, the case. But I do like our system. I wouldn't trade our system for anything. Thank you so I, I much. Add, real quick for your listeners, I think the tax hit will be minor. I don't see any big new taxes coming in this bill that may make it later in the winter. Nothing on capital gains. I think nothing on step-up basis. It's not going to be a killer. Let me ask you this. Let me. I'm going to take an extra second here, just about three seconds. Real quick, three seconds. That's impossible. Everybody knows that. I love it when I say that. But do, now, when you say that, do you think it'll get passed before the end of the year? No. Okay. Uh, I think it dra- it drags into next year. Yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing here. Well, guess what? I just invited you to be back with us the beginning of next year. <laughs> Love to. Be glad All right, to. man. Have a great day. Thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays to you, man. Same to you, my friend. All right, sir. And again, that was uh, Greg Valliere. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments, which is so good to have him on. He brings us a lot of information. It gives us the insight of what's happening in Washington and always important for you, our listeners. Well, I want to change pace, but I want to settle down. I actually talked about this a little bit earlier. The reality is that it's the year-end that we all focus on giving gifts and also substantial giving. This city, Memphis, Shelby County, the West Tennessee area, is very known for the fact that we are a giving group of people. My guest is Frank Allen, certified financial planner. And Frank, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Here's what I want to talk about, Frank. And I I want you to just, this is something I know you're passionate about. Year in giving and some of the idea behind efficient giving. When we talk about efficient giving, what does that mean to you as a certified financial planner? Well, mostly it means getting bigger bang for your buck. So, you know, you can give a certain amount of cash and you get a, that's the gift and that's the amount. But when you give stock or other things, you might be able to give more money than what you've, you know, what, what you've invested in a particular holding. So to me, it's getting bigger bang for the buck. Uh, that's that's what I think about. And, and, and from a tax perspective, you're trying to, you know, pay less taxes as well. Well, I know you you as, a, as an individual, Frank, you've supported causes that are near and dear to your heart for, for as long as I've known you, which I've known you a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole I thought about this is that you've used getting a tax deduction, as we've always gotten, and it's kind of been normal. But we don't donate for a tax break. We really donate because we care. But there are some things that are going on. If you're going to make a gift, it's nice to be given a tax break. But that's what, for a lot of people, that's gone away. What is one of the things that you want people to know? I know you've talked about, you called it bunching, and i be honest with you, bunching just kind of, what does that mean? So explain bunching to everyone. Yes, bunching is a uh, popular term these days. And so bunching basically means, uh, you know, capturing multiple years worth of contributions and putting them into one year. So you're bunching several years, maybe 2021, 22, 23, you take out what you would give over those three years, and then you put them in one year. 
and that helps you get above a standard deduction because a standard deduction is for 12,000 I think it's for a single and 24 for a joint and so if you don't give um, if you don't give that much you know and then interest and property taxes if those three don't add up to your standard deduction then you don't itemize you don't itemize and right. therefore you're not you may not get what you you're normally going to get that tax deduction this is a way for you to at least get up to that itemized amount and over that that's exactly right bunching it's a great term i mean <laughs> once you understand it it makes sense what bunching is all about let me ask you this in just a few seconds here the the idea behind giving complex assets. I mean, bunching sounded to me like maybe, okay, I just add it all up. But now a lot of people, when I talk about complex assets, tell me what that means. Is it illiquid? Is it is it real estate? What, what do we say when I say complex assets? Yeah, complex assets are more like they are fairly illiquid many times. Uh, sometimes it's, it's just not something that has uh, an easily determined value, perhaps. It might be a small business, a personally owned business. Um, it could be real estate. It could be real estate for a particular use that might have certain value uh, given a certain, you know, bent or, or use of that property. But, yeah, complex assets are maybe a little bit harder to value. Like when you use a stock, that's easy to find a value for a stock. You go to the stock market. What is it trading at? Boom. The, the value is determined. But many times uh, an asset is not easily valued and can be maybe a range of values. And so you're like, okay, well, how much is this asset mm-hmm. worth? And you talk to three people and they give you three different numbers. So when you talk about doing that, you're, you're giving it directly to the charity and they're going to take that asset and they'll determine the value and they'll, you're getting a deduction. But, but the point is you're letting the charity, and sometimes you got to make sure the charity has the facility or the ability to do it. And many times they don't. Mm-hmm. Many times, in, in fact, if you're going to give a car, for instance, then many charities might say, you know what, we don't have the, we can't take your car, right. you know, so or we can't take real estate. We don't know what to do with it. So it's different than having a stock given and they have a broker dealer or they have a firm that can take that stock, sell it for them. And then that, that determines the value. So they don't have to have specialized expertise to determine a value when someone's giving like stock or something like that. All right. You mentioned stock. I, uh, in a, just the time we have stock, stock, appreciated stock. Yes. That's saying I bought it for a dollar. It's now worth two. I'm going to give the two dollars away. I deduct it all. I mean, that's, that's real simple. But That's right. Me. You would deduct the fair market value of the stock that you gave no matter what cost was. Right. If you. In the example you use, you you invested a dollar and it's now worth two or three or more. Then you get the full fair market value of the deduction, you know, of the stock when you uh, contribute it to a 501c3 or to a charity. This is any stock? Does it have to be a stock that's, uh, uh, you know, on the stock exchange or can it be a stock of a closely held corporation? It's easier to determine the value (laughs) when when there's a stock exchange. Value is kind of important. Value is important. And so, yes, what they sell it for is going to, you know, the church is going to or the charity, you know, will determine in that regard, you know, how much they get for it. That's determined when they put it up on the market. But a lot of times when you put something out there for sale, well, it might be days, weeks, months before they sell it, mm. right? So, uh, but a stock is not the case. You know, a stock that's on the stock exchange, you put it out there, and the next day or that same day, you have the value, so you know what it is. And they get the value, and the the dollars come into the charity that you've given it to. That's right. That's, that's right. so important for people. And, and these days, 
people, maybe people do own stock, but they also own mutual funds. So I would tell you too that mutual funds can be donated as well. And there's a market value out there for that and an exchange essentially uh, for that. And so mutual funds is what a lot of people own today instead of individual stock. And then that can be donated as well. That's a great point. I, I think so many people don't think about just, you've talked about bunching, putting things together and giving something this year, but knowing that you're going to do it because you, you are going to get above that amount that you're entitled to do, which allows you to itemize. That's a, that's something that so many people don't think about. But then giving some complex asset that may be hard to value, it's just spending the time. Really what you're talking about is planning your giving. That's what it is. Yeah, planning ahead of time, not only the amount, but what you give and when you give it and how you give it. All of those things come and get involved in and are considered when you're doing more of a planning. You're planning a strategy instead of donating a stock. If you just tuned in, my guest is Frank Allen. He is a certified financial planner with Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about donating to charity and knowing how to cut your tax bill. You can find our show on Apple, on Apple Podcast. It's a podcast, obviously, and Spotify. You can do it there. Wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to our podcast, and, of course, we'd like it if you would leave us a review. That would be much appreciated. One of the biggest things, Frank, when we come back, I really want to find, about, find out about what is called a donor-advised fund because, I, you know, so many people think, well, I can't really control what I'm giving what, but so I know you've done that with your family. You've done one personally, and uh, you and Susan. So I, I really kind of want us to dive into that a little bit more. That sounds great. I look All forward right, to it. Donor Advice Fund. You don't want to miss that when we come back. It's very important that you know about it. Just stay with us because uh, we've got a great program coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about with the Neighborhood Christian Center, a lady that runs it. She knows it. She's involved with it. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial professionals do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and thanks for joining us. And just reminding you that you can always listen to this program on uh, the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the program. And uh, leave us a review. That uh, would be much appreciated. My guest is, jo- is Frank Allen, and uh, we're talking with about donating to charity and knowing how to cut your tax bill. And that's still, you know, there's still ways to do that. He's covered the idea of bunching, where you put a lot of things into one year and take your deduction that year, if that's important to you. He's also kind of covered the idea behind complex assets, things that are a little bit more difficult, but stepping in with the charity, see if they can help you with that. It may be something like real estate, uh, any type of long-term appreciated property, closely held stock, something like that that's a little more complicated, but you spend the time, you kind of develop an idea and a plan of what you're trying to do, and also appreciated stock, and that's so important, knowing that you can do that, knowing that it's, it's not near as difficult as you think. It's something that definitely you should think about, especially in a lot of cases, stock that you just have not thought about. It's been a great year, and stock is up for 2021. This may be the year that you want to do that. Now, Frank, we talked about the fact that donor-advised fund, and we refer sometimes in the acronym the DAF or DAF fund, donor-advised fund. So critical, so important. 
Tell me a little bit about why that is important to, to our listener. It's important to you. And, and what, what do you see as the planning strategy behind a donor advised fund? Yeah, so donor advised fund uh, is, is a way to combine some of the things that we've already talked about. You can kind of do some bunching uh, strategy and also do some gifting of appreciated assets within this donor advised fund. So it's kind of a way to combine some of the several different ways that we've talked about of, of tax efficient giving. So uh, let me ask you a question now. Have you ever thought, okay, I want to give, or you plan, you say, okay, I know I want to give some money because God just put that on my heart for whatever reason, but you don't know who to give to. Has that ever, uh, oh, ever sure, happened sure, to you? Oh, sure, sure, it does. Okay. Yeah, you know. So with a donor advised fund, if if God's leading you to give, but you, he hasn't told you where to give it yet, you can give money, you can give cash, you can give appreciated assets, you can take multiple years worth of contributions, put it into a donor advice fund, and decide later where the money's going to go. All right, donor advised fund, where do I get one of those? Do I go down to Macy's and buy me a donor advised <laughs> Prob- fund? Probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. I kind of knew that, so but a little tongue in cheek. Where do I find it? How do I go about finding a donor advised fund? Well, I, you know, I personally use one. And um, I, I use a fund, and, and I was introduced to it through a, a friend, uh, a friend that I go to church with. And uh, it's a great, it's a Christian uh, community foundation, you know, so. Uh, it's a great donor advice fund, but there are others. There's a citywide, like, and then a nationwide. I mean, there are different ways. You, if you Google donor advice fund, there's a bunch of them that will come up, and you can do it within your community, or you can do it, you know, broader. But uh, you want to, if you want to look at, okay, what what does this particular donor advice fund specialize in, and what's available through that donor advice fund, and does that kind of meet my my needs and my my plan for who I want to give to. Are they, when you say donor advised, and you're talking about finding where you, you were talking about the your the Christian Foundation here, you're talking about the Community Foundation, you're talking about the National Christian Foundation. All these guys have donor advised, but are there restrictions? It's you saying donor advised. Does that mean that I just advise it, or is it something that you know? Hey, uh, this is where I want my money to go. Done. Well, what happens is. What's happened with me is I've given money um, to the donor advice fund, and then it sits there, okay? So the contribution goes in, and well, the way I'm doing it is I'm contributing uh, appreciated mutual funds. So if I bought a mutual fund five years ago, three years ago, one year ago, whatever, and it's increased in value, instead of giving cash, um, which I used to do all the time, I would write checks. Well, now I'm no longer writing checks, so I'm donating appreciated mutual funds or stock or ETFs or whatever to the donor advice fund, then it's sold and then it becomes money. Now, you remember that money is no longer yours. At that point in time, when you give it, it, you can't take it back. Okay. That money is not yours anymore. So, but you still direct where it goes. So the donor advice fund doesn't say, okay, well, we're going to give that to so-and-so or, you know, this charity or that charity. No, you, what, what they call recommend a grant. Mm-hmm. So when you recommend a grant, you go online and you say, okay, I want that money to go to the neighborhood uh, Christian center. I, I want it to go to my church. I want it to go to, you know, Salvation Army, whatever. And then 
many times those charities that you pick for that money to go to, they're already listed as a pre-existing charity. If they, but, but the Christian Community Foundation will say, okay, if that's not on our list, you tell us who it is, how to reach them, we'll do our research, and then we'll approve that as one of our uh, And if they don't approve it, then you've got to make a change. You've got that's to think right. through. They may not approve it. It's not that's always right. a guarantee. That's right. I know I've done a couple of these and uh, where occasionally there might be somebody wants to make a gift and it takes a little bit of extra work to get it approved. It's not always right. approved. But you're right. The list is so critical that you check that out, see what's the idea. Basically, what's the philosophy of the—it has to be a charity. It has to be a foundation. Your donor advice funds have to be connected with the foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's so critical. But I right. love the idea. I appreciate it. Why did you do that? What was the heart behind that? You know, my heart was, you know, I just felt I had been so blessed, you know, by the Lord uh, in terms of um, his provision for me and for my family. And so my wife and I both just said, we want to have more of a strategy. We want to plan out a little better and then just writing checks on the spot when somebody asks us for money. We want to we want to go out and do more research and my daughter has a she works for a charity in Waco uh, that that uh helps homeless kids and teens. And so we wanted to contribute to something like that and especially when we know someone who's involved, that's another thing that we would really want to be involved in more and help. And so another really good thing too is you only get instead of writing 20 checks to 20 different charities, you write one check or several checks to the same charity, you get one contribution statement at the end of the year. Yeah, so you don't have better. to wait for all of these charities to send you a contribution statement. You have it on one. You know, Frank, one of the things that I think is great about this, it's a legacy. It's teaching. I know for us, Linda and I meet with our family and we talk about it at Thanksgiving and we talk about where do we want to do this? What's the, where are we going? This is the legacy. This is the amount where, do you have someone that you want to give to a particular charity? We may have a charity, but we're hoping we're teaching our kids and our grandkids and leaving a legacy. They know that, you know, my kid, my great, my great grandkids and will not even know what I look like. <laughs> but if the foundation, the donor advice fund's big enough, maybe they will be something that they'll have play a part of as they make a gift. So I know it's the same thing for you. Well, it's cleaner and it, it's, it, it puts more of the emphasis on thinking ahead of time what you want to do with what God's given you and being a good steward and, you know, using someone who's done some research on your behalf as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's just been, it's been fun and it's worked very well. I'm a big fan of donor advised funds. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Let's talk about giving through a qualified charitable distribution of your retirement assets. Now we're talking about people that are at this point of getting re- being retired or almost retired, giving through a qualified charitable distribution. Yes, QCD, that's relatively new. It's a way to take money from an IRA and donate it directly to a charity. Okay, you directly to a charity like a, a church or again, heart association, uh, cancer society, whatever. You can give money directly to the charity and you do not, whatever money, and you can do it up to $100,000 in a given year, okay? Uh, so you can give it multiple charities. The money comes straight out of your IRA, goes straight to the charity, and it does not show up as income for you on your tax return. 
And that's a very important thing for some people. Very, mm-hmm. And especially if you're itemizing and you can't d- you deduct the contribution because it's not maybe enough, well, this is a way to help you in another, uh, another tax uh, benefit is not having it show up as income. And it does count towards required minimum distributions, the RMDs. So you can't do it until you're 70 and a half. Um, I know RMDs are 72. They used to be 70 and a half. But you can't, yeah, it, once you're 70 and a half, you can do a QCD, have the money go straight to the charity. If you've got a question for Frank Allen, Certified Financial Planner, you can reach him at 901-757-5757. Frank, we've covered bunching. we covered donor-advised fund, giving complex assets, gifting appreciated stocks and mutual funds, and the QCD. Man, I tell you, you could not lay this out any better because my next guest, is a not-for-profit that's been around longer than two days. I mean, she is a she. It's a, this is second generation. A dear friend of mine, Effie Johnson, president and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Center. Welcome to the program, lady. Thank you so much for having us today. All right, lady. Let me tell you what Frank has laid us out ways of giving to yes, a, a charity. Now, I want people to know. The Neighborhood Christian Center, before we take this break, let's just let's lay out the mission statement of the Neighborhood Christian Center. Yes, so the primary mission of the Neighborhood Christian Centers is to provide um, Christ-centered ministry to those that are in need and also providing sus- stability and sustainability services. You know, one of the things you said to me, we've had you on the program many times, and the reality is this is a time that the city needs to step in and bring that ability for the Neighborhood Christian Center to have the the finances to complete their task and their mission statement. One of the things that you said, and I and I just have to tell you, it made an impression to me. It's not a handout. It, it is, but it's not just a handout. It's a hand and up. up. Mm-hmm. That's, That's so up. powerful yeah. and such a visual for me. Mm-hmm. You're reaching down and helping somebody up. That would have been your mom's best thought process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that when we come back. If you just tuned in, my guest is Effie Johnson. She is the president and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Center. Neighborhood Christian Center is around over 50 years in this city. Run earlier by a dear lady, a dear friend, an education person that did so much to educate me and uh, her mom, (laughs) Joanne Ballard. Uh, But I want to talk about just the ministry and really what's going on when we come back. If you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Securian Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Greg Valliere or AGF Investments, Effie Johnson, or the Neighborhood Christian Center. The views and opinions expressed are those of Greg Valliere and Effie Johnson only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. My guest, Effie Johnson, President and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Center, a ministry that has been functioning in this city for over 50 years. There are people now that are coming back to the ministry that were part of the ministry, recipients of the ministry, and now coming back to the ministry to be givers back. And that is so powerful and so important. The mission statement to guide those in need towards stability and sustainability through compassionate, Christ-centered ministries and empowerment programs, as I said earlier. Joanne Ballard was the founder. This is Effie Ballard Johnson, her daughter. 
And, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say that because you've done a phenomenal job, but you still live in your mother's shadow, don't you? <laughs> I, I have no problem <laughs> with that. <laughs> you have no problem. I mean, you know, just, uh, just mom was, uh, you know, mom and dad both mm-hmm. were just a powerful group of people, very, very compassionate about people, very passionate That's about right. people mm-hmm. that had a compassion. Now, now, there's three programs, three basic pillars that you referred to. That's right. Talk about those for us. So those um, three pillars of service are compassionate ministries, adult services, and youth services. So they're very simply compartmentalized, but they're constructs that are a part of those three areas that allow us to serve our neighbors in need. So um, with with those constructs, for instance, with our adult services, we've just recently added a new workforce development element called Holy Cakes. And Holy Cakes allows us to uh, take people that are have been generationally un, un, uh, non-working, not having a job, unemployed. I would say non-employed because they've never worked and then work, go through our training program and then move to our cake our baking kitchen where they're now making cakes uh, and so we created a company called Holy Cakes which we acquired from a wonderful lady named Bowie Campbell that donated her cake company to us and then we changed the name to Holy Cakes H-O-L-E-Y it's a play on, on yeah. words but um, and you can order cakes right now you can go to holycakes.org and, or, and, and order cakes. cakes and it helps them to have a job and to and have, create work ethic and train you and I have talked multiple times about the idea of second generation poverty Yes, and how difficult that is. And uh, I've read a couple of books about it. You've educated me. Your mom educated mm-hmm. me. How difficult. When you talk about creating a place for a person to go to work who hasn't had a job. Right. You and I don't think about that. That's just right. kind of normal. But Either hasn't had a job or they have always been in and out of a job. So there was no continuity for them. And so um, the goal is with, with Holy Cakes is that we can create an environment that's safe and understanding of the different nuances of a person that's never worked and begin to try to help focus them, develop them, to be prepared to go on to an actual job that, that, is was, that they can so work. That's so critical because that's, that's something we just take for granted. We do take it for granted. And it's a lot of little quirks and things that people do sometimes that if you've never worked, you don't think it's – you know, don't think that it's wrong. And so um, the thing for us is we can only handle, you know, 10 or 12 people per cycle of, tw- of five weeks. But as this grows, we will hope to do more. But it takes time and fewer people is much better because you have to put a lot of time in helping people and develop. you're doing the job that I think is so necessary. If you want to talk with Evie or talk to someone at the Neighborhood Christian mm-hmm. Center, the telephone number is 901 881 one three. One three. Six yes. zero one three. Mm-hmm. Now, that's so important. Two things. If you want to talk to them about volunteering, they're yes. going to be delivering some cakes, or they're going to be delivering not cakes. Well, we, food do, we actually do deliver cakes. cakes. So we yeah. need help. You help us save money when you have volunteer to deliver a cake to someone. So that's and even then they've too. also <laughs> got the summer literacy program. A summer literacy is, program and our college that. and arts program, which is part of the youth. Uh, pillar. So that program allows us to hire um, students or stipend those students that are in our programs, usually from early childhood to high school, then college or trade. Uh, in the summer, we um, send them to uh, through a dual enrollment program where they, we partner with Arkansas State University and we take them across the water there and they go to school uh, learning a trade for the summer and, and get certificated, uh, get a certificate as well or, um, from that program. And then 
Um, we have um, a time for them to do um, mission work. They go out to the communities we serve. We have 11 different locations here in the city. So they get to interact with the families that we're serving and give back as missionaries as well. So this is the program, the pillar that you're talking about that's focused on the youth. On the youth. Mm-hmm. And it's empowering them. You talk about empowering yes, them sir. to succeed. Yes, sir. It not just You're not just, again, you're not giving a handout. Yes, you do, but this but is that's not the, the only thing. No, they're giving the hand up. Uh, this is yes. teaching, training. Right. You talked about the summer literacy program. Yes. How can I volunteer? If I so want to volunteer, you want to what volunteer, do do? you call 8816013 or you go to ncclife.org and look up Pamela Cox and um, Pam Cox P C O X at ncclife.org and she will help you get uh, plugged in. That's quick. That's 8816013 is the telephone number or ncc at ncclife.org. Right. Or directly to Pam Cox, P. Cox. That's mm-hmm. right. Okay. All right. That's important. We've talked about compassionate ministries. This is helping people with clothing, housing items. You talked about a need for the nutritional warehouse. Talk yes. about that. So during COVID, as we still are kind of in, in a lot into it um, still, um, we have a high population of senior citizens that have begun to be uh, in need or we've been made more aware of their needs. And so a lot of these seniors have either retired, they're on fixed income, um, they maybe own their home, but that's that's they don't have much more they can do beyond that. And so we began to deliver food to those families or to those individuals um, directly. So we'd have actual volunteers to help drive those boxes and put them on their porches and all that. So with that being said, um, our gym has filled up with all this food. We have volunteers coming in each week helping us to pack those boxes and we need our new fa- a new facility. It's a, a, just a metal building we're trying to build. We've, we've raised about $100,000 toward it. We're going to need about 250 more thousand to finish it off and so we're the le- next leg begins now. Now. <laughs> yes. Begins now. Come on, people. Do well, what you just told us about this. Yes. End of your Frank, giving. That's it's really a wonderful you... way to do some tax-efficient giving to yes. the Neighborhood Christian Center. You, you know, now, when you talk about that tax-efficient giving, go back. This is somebody that could say, look, I, I don't want to give it all this year to them. I'll give 50000 or twenty or 100000 as she said. But I want to pull it out of my donor advice. This is where they could be using that donor advice fund. That's exactly what, what it's for. That's exactly what it's for. You may not know. I mean, when you learn of a need that you didn't know of before and you've got money sitting over here that's not yours, but you still direct it. You still direct it to the charity that you want it to go to. And this could be a perfect avenue for that. That's uh, that is exactly what we're talking about. The reason why Effie Johnson, president and CEO of Neighborhood Christian Center, is with us on the program. Telephone number 901-881-6013. Effie, when you really put this together and you're talking about the compassionate ministries, that's food and clothing and things like that, going through this literacy program, the volunteers you need there, yes. this is, I, I see a lot of coaching going on, a lot of yes. mentoring going right. on. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Well, I share that, you know, in our the origin of the center began with my mom and dad, and a lot of their work was, um, was in, um, involved in education. Um, not just feeding people, not just giving them clothes, but my father and my mother would be intentional about education, about correcting English when you're talking, speaking with correct English, um, doing your homework, everyone sitting around the dining room table when they were living with us and doing our homework. It was very structured. And that, say that now, that's 70 over your life. <laughs> over 75. Five, 75 <laughs> foster children right. at mom and dad's house. That's right. And this was not in the foster care, traditional foster care system. No. So these were your opportunity youth between 17 and 21 that were 
figuring it out or their parents couldn't handle them anymore or whatever. And this is this is what they did. And I observed that. I watched that. Um, I saw them um, translate that to neighborhood Christian centers proper. And in today's time, uh, our staff doing the same thing uh, with a lot more people. And so academics are important. Trade is important. Um, whether you go the trade route or not, you need to know how to read. And so many of the children we serve are not reading at a third grade level. We know this from our partnership with Arise to Read, also with Mid-South Literacy. And so we take those um, best practices, those evidence-based um, practices, and, and, and um, incorporate them into our daily work with our, our site-based services every day after school programs. This is not just a ministry where you are touching people on occasions. This is a ministry that you have really become a part of the community. Yes, sir. Neighborhood Christian Center neighborhood That's is right. what you are all about. Right. We're in 11 different communities with multiple neighborhoods in each one of those areas. Uh, we are serving in the highest violent, most hardest uh, hit, uh, most impoverished communities uh, in the city. Many of them are. There's some others that we're not in, but we're in Hickory Hill. We're in um, Frazier. We're in um, the southeast Shelby area. We're in southeast Memphis. Um, we're in Orange Mound. We're in North Memphis. Um, we are moving towards some cert partners that are in South Memphis, and we have other partners that do work in other areas. But those are some of the most highest challenged communities, and our people are literally out there in the trenches. In the trenches, and and that's you know that's a challenge. That's a hard word to say sometimes because it's, it is hard. Yeah. Um. But and I will say, I mean, we've had times when we've had to pull our staff out. Um, in the past couple of weeks, there have been some things that we know have happened in the city that those residual um, reactions from those types of um, happenings, shootings and things like that require my staff to be have to, we have to be very careful about them. And so we need your prayers. Well, <laughs> I want to remind people, if you want to talk with Joanne, you can do that. And um I mean, Joanne. Or Effie. Effie, Joanne. <laughs> but Effie, you can call her. <laughs> you know, one, one of these, Monroe, Joanne, or somebody. somebody. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Greg Valliere, of course, with AGF Investments, and Effie Johnson with Neighborhood Christian Center. Frank Allen with Shoemaker Financial. And if you have questions for them, you can call them at 901-757-5757. Next week, my guest, Shannon Dyson, Claire Green, they're going to talk about the final update when it comes to Medicare enrollment. And David Rochester, he's going to be here. He'll be talking about signs you're ready to retire in 2022. That's Wednesday and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the mighty 990. If you have questions, you can send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Allen are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 